Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 475. Welcome in. Hope you're doing well. Um, Unfortunately, today is April 1st, a day I do not enjoy on our planet Earth. That's not entirely true. I enjoy every day of my life. Uh, I do not like April Fool's Day at all. So let's be clear. uh, No April Fool's for me, Zach Schaumler. This is the only show maybe, I don't know, out there that's not going to try to prank you and not going to try to trick you and have some weird, stupid thing. I wish as a society we could agree to... Uh, stop doing it. I don't like it. I don't read any news on April 1st. I don't trust anything. Um, thankfully, our main man, Adam Schefter, hasn't put anything out today because I'm like, good. If Adam Schefter had reported today a trade or a move or whatever, I'd be like, hmm, it's April Fool's. I don't trust it. And I, I, I just do not enjoy this weird day as a society where uh, we all try to trick each other. I just, I don't, I don't enjoy it. I, I don't participate. Um, I want to be straight with you now. If you're listening to my show today, you can trust everything I'm about to say because I actually despise April Fool's Day. Uh, otherwise, though, I hope you're doing well. I really do. Enjoy. Like, life is good. I'm happy. Um, I, I'm, I'm doing well. Hope you're doing well. Let's jump into news story number one of the day. The L.A. Rams have signed linebacker Bobby Wagner to a five-year deal worth $50 million. It's actually worth up to $65 million with incentives over the years. Um, Bobby Wagner is 31 years old. Rams fans will know him very, very well because he was with the NFC West rival Seattle Seahawks for 10 years. And uh, he is still a stud. He can still play at a high level. He had 170 tackles last year. That is the third most in the entire NFL. Like, Anyone saying he's old and washed up, you're just wrong. Like, he's a really good player. Uh, The question is, he signed a five-year contract at 31 years old. He'll be 32 in July, June or July. I think, let me look. Is it? It is, yeah, June. He'll be 32 in June. So, is he going to reach the end of his contract? I don't know. Probably not. It kind of reminds me of the Von Miller contract in Buffalo where you're like, well, He signed a six-year deal. He'll be 39 when that contract is over. Probably not going to make it to the final year. He'll probably get cut like in three years. But for now, good for him. And uh, I believe that there is a strong chance here that the Rams will end up back in the Super Bowl once again. The AFC is loaded. Denver, LA, the Chargers, Kansas City, the Raiders, Buffalo, New England. There's so many interesting, really, really good Football teams, the Bengals are going to be good again. The Ravens have Lamar Jackson. Like, there's team after team after team in the AFC. In the NFC, on the other side of the NFL, there's not a lot of talent. Most of the talent migrated over to the AFC. So it's very likely we're probably going to see Tampa or L.A. again fighting to get into the Super Bowl. My money's on. There's a good chance the Rams are going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl next year because the Rams are... Still loaded. They have Aaron Donald, uh, an elite defensive lineman. They have an elite corner, Jalen Ramsey. Now they have Bobby Wagner at linebacker. That's all three levels of their defense with an incredibly really good player. Not to mention on offense, they have Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford. They now have Allen Robinson. The Rams are a really, really good football team. Again, I want to repeat this. 
It's a question worth asking. Will Bobby Wagner make the end of his contract? Probably not. Been in league 10 years. He'll be 32 in June. Will he still be playing at a high level worth, you know, $10 million a year at 36, 37 years old? Unlikely. But I am very excited to see Bobby Wagner play the Seattle Seahawks, his former team, two times a year. You know, he gets to exact his revenge on them. That'll be fun. Uh, I am a, I'm from the Northwest. I enjoy watching Northwest teams lose. The Seattle Mariners broke my heart years ago. And now whenever teams from the Northwest lose, I go, ha, ha, ha. All right. That's not, that's not entirely true. I love Russell Wilson. I was happy when he was there in Seattle. Um, but, you know, they cut him, and he found out on the Internet. So Bobby Wagner, I'm sure, is pretty eager to uh, make some tackles against his former football team. Now, another cool part of this story, by the way, Bobby Wagner is from the L.A. area. He was born in L.A. He's going home. Good for him. Gets to play in his hometown. Got a pretty decent contract. Uh, I think he's going to play for probably three years in L.A. before he gets cut. He'll be too old and not, not up to par and not worth his contract. But, hey, it's awesome. And I, uh, I'm very much going to enjoy watching Bobby Wagner in the next year or two play in L.A. and probably be dominant and uh, maybe be competing for another Super Bowl. So uh, I like the move. I just I go back to this. Will he still be playing in five years by the end of this contract? Probably not. Okay. Uh, another, that's a big news story. It's not really a, it's a change in the NFL. The NFL announced new overtime rules during the NFL playoffs. Here is a statement the NFL put out. The NFL said this. Both teams will have an opportunity to possess the ball in overtime in the postseason. Remember, this is not during the regular season. This is the key. It's during the playoffs. If the score is tied after each team has a possession or has possessed the ball, then the next score will win. The team kicking off to start the overtime period scores a safety on the receiving team's initial possession. The team that kicked is the winner. So um, in, the, in the playoffs, in overtime, both teams are going to get the ball. Think of that playoff game this last year between Buffalo and Kansas City. Kansas City won in overtime. The Bills starting quarterback, Josh Allen, who had an incredible game, one of the best games of the year for any quarterback, never even got the ball in overtime. And I think what this change is going to do is make the NFL playoffs even better. They're already incredible. You don't need to do much to make the NFL playoffs better, but now... You're not even going to be able to argue that, oh, he didn't get a fair shot. No, now now Josh Allen gets the ball back with his own opportunity to score. And may the best man win. I love it. Uh, again, this only applies to the playoffs. You know, this does not apply to the regular season. We still have the regular old overtime rules during the regular season where, you know, touchdown wins, yada, yada. Uh, the league does not want long, drawn-out games. But you can justify it during the playoffs because you have too many players complaining and uh, I like it. I'm, I'm excited for this move. There's not a lot more to say about it, but it's going to be an interesting change that will be good for the league. I wish we could get rid of ties entirely and change also the regular season overtime rules, but I get why I, part of why they don't is that you just don't want these long, drawn-out games. You want to end games in overtime during the regular season as quick as possible. But when your season is on the line and it's like, hey, if we don't get the ball, we go home. I understand the change, and I like it. So um, 
but I, I, I'm, I'm all for it. If they ever want to change the regular season playout, you know, overtime structure as well, not against that. That sounds kind of interesting to me, um, but I understand why they don't want to. How about this? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach, Bruce Arians, has retired. He will now move into a front office role with Tampa. I want to give a shout out to the legend, Bruce Arians. It's awesome. Uh, as a head coach, he went 80 and 48 with Arizona and Tampa. He worked with a ton of legendary quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, Big Ben, Andrew Luck, Carson Palmer, and of course, Tom Brady in Tampa. Uh, won a Super Bowl in Tampa with Tom Brady. Also, by the way, this does not count towards his coaching record, which is pretty sad, uh, but he was the interim head coach for the Colts in 2012, went 9-3, and three, made the playoffs. That doesn't count towards his coaching record. Those wins actually go to Chuck Pagano because he was an interim head coach. But, um, it, it, man, I, I, that's a, a moment in time that I will always appreciate is what Bruce Arians did that year in Indy, and I think it's pretty cool. So... Bruce Arians is retiring as a head coach who has won a Super Bowl. One of the few. Not everyone does that very clearly. Most people do not win a Super Bowl in the NFL. He won in 2020 with Tampa, obviously. And uh, he is now giving the keys to the car to Todd Bowles. He is, it's a uh, succession plan where the whole staff gets to stay there. He said he wanted to. There's all these people that depend on me for their money and their livelihood and their families and yada, yada. He's like, I wanted to hand the keys to the car to someone in a good situation where they could win and all the people below me would be fine and safe and happy. And, you know, for Todd Bowles, it's an outstanding opportunity. He was once the head coach of the Jets. This is a much better chance to be a head coach than he ever got with the New York Jets. It's a much better football team. You got a great quarterback, Tom Brady. And you got a great staff around you. So I, I like it, man. Um, now, the final thing I want to say about Bruce Arians is something I don't know that everyone knows about this man. It's probably the coolest thing about him. He always told his coaches to prioritize family. He did not allow people to sleep at the facility. He discouraged that. He built a culture and a workplace environment that didn't glorify sacrificing your entire life towards your job. And to find a balance of, we're going to work hard, but you better go to your dance recital. You bet, you know, your daughter is performing at blah, blah, blah. You better go. Your kids have a baseball game. You're going to that baseball game. Like he was very much about being a family man as well as working really hard. And he, he found that balance really well. He was a very successful NFL head coach. He won lots of games, won playoff games, won a Super Bowl. And he has a rare value set in a world that really, really talks about sacrificing your entire life to be a coach and succeed. And I, I understand people that do that. I, mean, I, I get it. I get why people sacrifice their entire personal life to win games. And that's their, life, you know, that, that's their focus. But the fact that Bruce Arians found a way to have a, a culture that had people enjoying their life and working hard. And was successful and won? That's pretty cool. That's, honestly, that's epic. And that doesn't happen very often. And I just hope that good old B.A. enjoys the rest of his life. He's still going to be around. He's talking about how, like, oh, I'll cuss you out any day you want. I'll be around in Tampa. I'm just I'm, I'm taking a step back as, from a head coach. Uh, from, I'm not going to be a head coach anymore. And uh, 
probably a little less responsibility, probably a little slower speed for him. And uh, I just want to give a shout-out, man. Bruce Arians is a legend and a really awesome coach and a guy I've admired for a long time. And uh, it's cool to see him gracefully walk away in a way that I think is still good for Tampa, good for him, helps out Todd Bowles, helps out Tom Brady, I think, as well. A lot of people are – there's this rumor out there that, oh, he left because him and Brady didn't get along. I, I don't think it's true at all. I, I just don't – I don't buy that at all. And what's also weird, people are like, well, did – uh, is it because Tom Brady's basically the offensive coach? No. That, that makes the least sense because people don't realize as a head coach, your job is really to oversee everything. You're more of a, a manager delegating to all these different people, allowing them to make decisions under you. And uh, that's, that's what Bruce Arians did really well was just hire smart people and let them do their jobs really well and kind of steer the ship in a direction. So uh, I do not believe this had anything to do with Tom Brady. In fact, if anything, I would believe it had to do with Bruce Arians that family man wanting to be around his family more, wanting to have a different pace of life and uh, taking care of himself. So good for Bruce Arians. Okay, let's talk about the Colts. We got to talk about the Colts owner, Jim Ursay. The Colts owner, Jim Ursay, came out the other day and had a lot to say about his former quarterback, Carson Wentz. He came out and said that the Carson Wentz era in Indy was a mistake. Now, in fairness to Jim Ursay, he said one thing I did very much agree with. He said that Carson needed to pick the team up in the final game of the year on the road at Jacksonville. Must win game. He's got to play better. He's got to pick up his team. I agree with that. Hey, Jim Ursay, you're right. You're paying your guy a ton of money to be a franchise quarterback. You got to win that game. He's got to play really well. He's got to elevate your football team. So you're right. But he didn't only say that. Jim Mersey also went on to say Carson was not a good leader, said that when he investigated stuff, what he found was very concerning. He talked to these veterans, and the veterans were telling him stories. He was like, oh, no. Said Carson wasn't coachable. Said it was obvious I had to move on, and the fit wasn't right. Look, is Jim Ursay entirely wrong? No. He's probably saying what he believes. He's probably being honest. He's probably telling the truth. And yet, in spite of that, I lost a lot of respect here for Jim Ursay. I felt like he took totally unnecessary shots at Carson Wentz. You don't need to say this. I don't know why. It's weird. It's, it's like a, either an ego thing or an offense. There's something here that is this desire to go, oh, I, I messed up, but you know, we, we learned from it. We're moving on. I don't know why you can't just say it didn't work and move on. Take the high road, man. I don't know why Jim Ursay. Um, felt the need to be so heavily openly critical of Carson. It's clear it didn't work. You got rid of the guy. I don't know. You don't need to like, I don't know. I mean, he's a billionaire. It's his team. He can do whatever he wants. Um, but why trash the guy? You have Matt Ryan now. Be happy and move on. It's clear it didn't work. You got rid of Carson. Nobody thought you loved Carson Wentz. You got rid of him after one year <laughs> for pennies. Like, you know, I don't know. It does confirm my theory that Jim Ursay was the driving force behind the Colts getting rid of Carson. But fine, if you want to take shots, go ahead, I guess, Jim Ursay. Although, I, I, if we're going to do that, if Jim Ursay is going to take shots, you know, let, let's remind the world that Jim Ursay is the owner who once hired a terrible general manager, 
Ryan Grigson, who wasted and ruined Andrew Luck's career. That guy was hired by Jim Irsay. Oh, so you throw stones, I'll catch them and throw them right back at you, man. I don't, I don't know. I, I felt like Jim Irsay taking shots at Carson was totally unnecessary. Um, I mean, I, I don't hate Jim Irsay. He does a lot of cool stuff in the Colts community. This was a moment where I was like, "What do you? Why? Well, why? Why do this? I don't understand." And, and it was funny. Carson um, put something on Twitter. Some it was like a picture of him driving some kind of tractor or backhoe, and it said "Building a Higher Road." And it was some sponsored post with a a backhoe or something, right? Some tractor looking thing. And uh, that's that's all Carson did. He's like, I'm, "I guess I'm taking the high road. I'm building a higher road," and uh, I like that. I don't. I don't know. I don't know he even needed to do that much, but um, it's weird to have a, a billionaire owner come out and trash Carson. What it's like? I just don't. I don't see the the sense in that. It was very needless. Um, there's probably some PR and marketing reason why he did it, trying to save face for the Colts and help their fan. But I, I don't know. But uh, I don't. I'm not a big fan of when people come out and just trash other people uh, in an unwarranted way. I don't. I, you know, unfortunately, I look back in my career. I'm sure I've done that before. Uh, I don't like that, but that's not me now. Um, and I would definitely be very careful to not do that now. Um, so I, 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 you know, lost a little respect for Jim Mercer here. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs are in a really interesting spot right now. Their division got way better. The Denver Broncos. Brought in quarterback Russell Wilson, L.A. The Chargers added Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson. They got a superstar quarterback, Justin Herbert. The Raiders got a new coach. They added receiver Devontae Adams. Um, And while the rest of their division got better, Kansas City, they appear to be losing safety Tyron Matthew. They did bring in safety Justin Reed. Probably, you know, it's probably a neutral move, like a lateral move to another good safety uh, but then they traded away superstar receiver Tyreek Hill. And you're not going to be able to replace Tyreek Hill. Now, they did sign receiver Juju Smith-Schuster to a one-year prove-it deal. Uh, I have high hopes for Juju in Andy Reid's offense playing with Patrick Mahomes. I think he's a guy who's been in a system with Big Ben recently at Pittsburgh. It hasn't been getting the most out of what he can do. So I'm excited to watch Juju in Kansas City. Uh, they also gave Marquez Valdez-Scantling a three-year, $30 million deal worth up to $36 million. That is, uh, he can make an extra $2 million a year depending on how many catches he makes. Um, but Casey has won the division six years in a row in the AFC West. And it feels like that streak and that run is going to end now. Whether it's the Raiders or Denver or L.A., I have no idea who's going to win that division. It's going to be a bloodbath. But the rest of the division, it got way better. And we have to acknowledge that not a massive step backwards for Kansas City, but Kansas City did get slightly worse, and they took a small step backward. And uh, I think, all honestly, what it does is makes that division even more interesting. But I'm really, I'm really curious to see what is the future for the Kansas City Chiefs. It just it's hard from where I sit today to not go, you know, they're not quite as good as they were uh going into last year. They definitely downgraded a little bit and uh we'll, we'll see how it plays out. It's also worth mentioning. I want to talk about this. I don't have much to say here, but I want to put it out there now early. 
Um, I really want the Pittsburgh Steelers to trade up and draft quarterback Malik Willis. The more I watch film, and film analysis is coming, we're, we're getting there. Um, Malik Willis is my favorite quarterback in this draft class, and he's the one that I would I would go get. He he is the only one I'm like, that guy has superstar potential. And I remember watching Justin Herbert in college going, oh, he's got problems. I remember watching Josh Allen in college going, oh, he's got problems. Oh, no. But going, well, he's a physical freak of nature. He's a god. He's incredible. Malik Willis is that guy where, yeah, he's got problems. Probably not ready to start day one. So did Josh Allen. So did Justin Herbert, right? And, and they're awesome. So uh, I think when you got a quarterback this talented, this physically gifted, and you're confident as a coach, you go get him. And I think that Pittsburgh is the best situation all around where Malik Willis could go. Him teamed up with Mike Tomlin. It's a lot better than Atlanta or Carolina. He'd be very set up to do well. They have Mitchell Trubisky. He can start day one for them. They wouldn't have to play Malik Willis immediately. And I, I just want to say I really want Malik Willis to go to Pittsburgh. I don't know if that's possible. Uh, I think to go from Big Ben, maybe take a year off with Trubisky, then go right into Malik Willis would be awesome. And uh, that is what I'm hoping happens in Pittsburgh uh, with the quarterback situation. And that, that's the best fit I can find for Malik Willis. And the, the, where that's where I want him to go. I, just, I really like this guy. I think he's awesome. And I want to see him succeed and do well in the NFL. Okay, here's a cool story. St. Peter's made a crazy run during March Madness, and their coach, Shaheen Holloway, led the underdog team, the St. Peter's Peacocks, all the way to the Elite Eight during the NCAA men's basketball tournament. It was a fun, impressive run. You guys probably didn't know I watched March Madness. I watched like four games, and I watched three of them were St. Peter's games. Um, and, you know, they were the first 15th seed ever to play in the Elite Eight, and he got rewarded. He has been hired as the new head coach of Seton Hall, and, and by the way, he played at Seton Hall from 1996 to 2000, and uh, he's returning to his alma mater to coach. It's a better job. It's a big pay raise. You know, also, really... Uh, before Shaheen Holloway was the head coach at St. Peter's, he was actually the associate head coach at Seton Hall. So really he's going back home. Like his detour to St. Peter's was a break in a long history of him being with Seton Hall, coaching there and being there as a player. Seems like a great dude, easier to root for. I really like Shaheen Holloway. The more I hear him talk, the more I listen to him talk about his players and his love for them. And here, in my opinion, is the coolest part of the story. When he was introduced as a new head coach at Seton Hall, his 15 former players from St. Peter's, a different college, were there in the room to support him. He thanked them. They were there to support him. It was a really cool, sweet moment. And uh, I just a hey, shout out to Shaheen Holloway, getting a better job, uh, but also understanding the reason why he got that better job was the players who performed well and helped elevate him to a new position, and i uh, very happy for him. Okay, we got three topics left. Uh, short episode today, I guess. And I want to start by... Maybe we'll do this tomorrow. Maybe I'm going to... I have a little bit of a, a spiel to give you 
but I'm going to sit on it. We're, we got three topics left. We'll do them real quick. Then we'll do tomorrow's episode as well. Not today, obviously, but tomorrow you'll hear another episode. We'll have Ask Zach. We'll have a couple more similar topics. And then at the end of that episode tomorrow, I've got like a little update for you guys to tell you about something happening. Uh, And stay tuned. For now, though, let's talk about Minnesota. Last year, I predicted that the Minnesota Vikings would go 9-8. and And it's weird because I wasn't that far off. Like, the reality is it went 8-9. and But that one win made a huge difference. And also, I had them as a wild-card playoff team. And they very much were not that. The Vikings massively underachieved. And what really went wrong for the Vikings, well, their defense ranked 30th out of 32 teams in the NFL. At the bottom of the NFL. That's what happened with this Vikings defense. And... Minnesota had a defensive-minded head coach, Mike Zimmer. You can't have a defensive head coach and a terrible defense and massively underachieve. And, you know, part of what happened was some of the defensive players they brought back didn't work out. They're older veterans. They fired Mike Zimmer. They moved on. Now, last year, the strength of this football team in Minnesota was their offense. You know, Kirk Cousins, their quarterback, is not perfect. But he threw for 4,221 yards, 33 touchdowns, only seven interceptions. Uh, Dalvin Cook, their running back, in only 13 games, ran for 1,159 yards. That's over 1,000 yards rushing. Uh, They got two stud receivers, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And after the year ended, Minnesota made a couple changes that I like. They hired a new GM. Uh, They also hired a new head coach, Kevin O'Connell, who was the Rams offensive coordinator. He's a former NFL quarterback. Young guy, only 36 years old. I love it. I I really, really like what's happening here. Uh, Minnesota is leaning into the strength of their football team, their offense. They're like, look, we are not winning any games with defense. We, We realize what we have. All our best players, all our best talent is on the offensive side of the football. We need to maximize, get the most out of that side of the ball. And now you got a young head coach with cool new ideas. Hopefully who can elevate the offense, get the most out of Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins. I, man, I think Kirk with a really awesome coach like this is going to be really fun and probably better than people realize. So I think it's a perfect response to kind of a weird average year Minnesota had last year in 2021. And uh, I don't know. I don't – for predictions versus reality for Minnesota, I was – I actually had writer's block for like a week on this. Like I don't know what to talk about because there's not much that – it was a very – middle-of-the-road, average, kind of boring year for Minnesota. Uh, But I thought the way they responded to it was very, very intelligent, wise, and uh, correct. I really, really like the moves they made to uh, make themselves better in the future in Minnesota. Now, I predicted the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would go 14-3 and in 2021. Uh, The reality is I was very close. They went 13-4. and I was one game off. And there's not a lot to be said here, honestly, because I said Tampa would be in the mix for a Super Bowl. They were. They were the number two seed in the NFC. They lost in the playoffs to the eventual eventual Super Bowl winner, L.A. Rams, who uh, hit a last-second field goal. L.A. did to win the game, move on. They win a Super Bowl. Tom Brady and Tampa Bay went home. And looking back at that game, Tampa started pretty slow. They had to make a comeback to tie the game up, and 
They also didn't have Antonio Brown. I wonder if that would have made an impact. I think it would have. Um, and really the two biggest, most noteworthy moments of the year for Tampa last year were number one, week 17 against the Jets, when Antonio Brown had a meltdown and quit the team mid-game, like takes his jersey off, runs off the field. He was frustrated. I, I still don't entirely know. I could, I, we could use a documentary about Antonio Brown and what happened here. I, I really, I would happily watch a, a, a 30 for 30 on Antonio Brown in a heartbeat. Um, whether he was actually disrespected or not, he felt that way. But I would argue he didn't act rationally. Um, I don't think any, no one ever, I think, is in the right when they throw off their jersey, run off the field shirtless, yelling at the crowd middle in the middle of a game. I, I just don't think he did the right thing here. Even if he had an argument, he should have handled it like an adult rather than storming off. I, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to believe, like, oh, Antonio Brown, rational thinker. I mean, he works for Kanye West. I'm a little bit like, okay, okay. Now, the second big moment, actually it was the earlier part of the year, uh, the other big moment from last year for Tampa was week four. Tampa at the New England Patriots. Tom Brady returning to New England. Tampa won 19-17. That was my favorite. Of all the games I watched Tampa play last year, that was the best moment. The most enjoyable, most fun, best story. Um, and Tom Brady had a great year last year. He led the league in passing, which is insane for his age. Threw for 5,316 yards, 43 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Um... But no Super Bowl for Tom Brady. So for him, I'm sure it felt like a wasted year, which is weird. Like, how do you – you had, had a great year, made a deep playoff run, but that's not why Tom Brady plays anymore. He's in it for the ring or that's it. And he doesn't have any – if he's not winning rings, it's, a, it's another year of his life wasted, it seems like. Um, now, Brady briefly retired when the year ended. That lasted about three weeks. Then he came back. And then their head coach, Bruce Arians, did retire. He did move on to be a, uh, a, a part of the front office. And uh, he's handing the team off to Todd Bowles. Now, the AFC is loaded next year. There's a lot of really great football teams. I think in the NFC, feels like once again you're either going to see Tampa or L.A. in the Super Bowl representing the NFC. And uh, so it's an opportunity for Tom. But you know, last year was kind of a weird, wasted year. If Tom Brady doesn't win a Super Bowl... It feels like a waste of a year for him. And uh, last year, they, they fell short. A couple things went wrong. The Antonio Brown debacle happened. Uh, they played kind of bad to start the playoff game against L.A. And uh, so very weird. Like, for most teams, that's a great season for Tom Brady and Tampa. That's a disappointing year. And when you have that high expectation, you're aiming for a Super Bowl, and it's Super Bowl or bust, it's hard to feel good about it. So I, I don't know. I've got a weird taste in my mouth for Tampa, and I, we'll see if they can. I mean, here's the thing about Tampa: if they can get to the Super Bowl again in 2022, this this upcoming fall, when you're in the game, things even out a lot. Like even if the AFC is loaded, has all this incredible talent, and they they run into a slightly better football team in the Super Bowl, it's not like they don't have a chance. So I, I think Tampa's in a good spot next year too. L.A. or Tampa is going to probably represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. And if something else happens, I, that'll be kind of fun to go back to. Like, well, am I totally wrong? Like, I, does anyone else believe other teams in the NFC have a shot? Like, do the Packers with no receivers and a expensive old quarterback have a chance? You know what I mean? So, like, we'll see. 
Let's end the show this way. 2021 was a weird year for the New Orleans Saints. I predicted they would go eight and nine, uh, but I was really second guessing it, man. I made like my, literally my my topic about predicting their year was just called the prediction for the Saints in 2021. I didn't even include the record prediction in the title because um, it was easy to point out what they lost. They lost Hall of Fame quarterback Drew Brees, Troy Hendrickson, Emmanuel Sanders, Janoris Jenkins, Jared Cook, uh, some coaches, some front office staff. Going into last year felt like New Orleans got had kind of a, a, a brain and talent drain. However, you could also argue, well, Drew Brees was not his best at the end of his career. And how bad is it to lose Jared Cook? You know, like, he's, a, he's a kind of a crappy tight end at this point in his career. Oh, no, Emmanuel Sanders. Ah! Like, I don't know. Um, they still had talent left in New Orleans. That was very clear. And I was really excited for kind of the wild card of their season, their starting quarterback, Jameis Winston. I want to see what can Jameis do with Sean Payton as head coach. And, you know, we were going to see last year in 2021 whether he could play or not. I was very excited for this kind of science experiment that is Jameis Winston. And unfortunately, he made it seven games. And in the seventh game of the year, he tore his ACL. By the way, New Orleans started five and two. After Jameis got hurt, they lost five games in a row. They dropped a bunch. And the year was a mess. They played four quarterbacks, Jameis Winston, obviously, but also Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, and even rookie Ian Book, who had an embarrassing start, I believe, on Monday Night Football. Not his fault. He's a rookie. He wasn't prepared for the moment. Somehow, despite that incredibly rocky, weird, insane year, the Saints actually went 9-8. and eight. They were one game out of... Um, making the playoffs. They were the number eight seed in the NFC. The top seven teams make the playoffs. Like the fact that New Orleans was in that position is pretty incredible. And in my opinion, to have four quarterbacks play last year, to still be a game out of the playoffs, there's clearly talent in New Orleans. Uh, now, this team technically they had a winning record, man. This team was clearly competitive. And they also didn't have Michael Thomas, their top receiver, who didn't play at all last year. Seems like he wants out. Is he hurt? Is he just angry? Does he want to be traded? It's kind of a weird situation that is still unresolved in New Orleans. But uh, things got worse after the year ended. Their head coach, Sean Payton, stepped down and walked away. So now next year, Dennis Allen is the head coach for the New Orleans Saints. He's their defensive coordinator who's been elevated to head coach. They keep a lot of the same coaching staff, though, which is kind of cool. Uh, Jameis will be back at quarterback. And the Saints are in such a weird spot right now where they're not horrible. But things aren't great either. No one's going like, wow, what an impressive, great organization with a coach that is obviously going to be great and a quarterback who's obviously going to be great and a lot of talent. Like, we're kind of going, huh, we'll see. It's an experiment. Dennis Allen didn't work before as head coach, but I like him and respect him. Jameis didn't work before as a starting quarterback, but I, he's got potential. We'll see what happens there. And I leave you with this question, because I really don't know what else to say about New Orleans at this point. Uh, the Sean Payton era in New Orleans was a beautiful one. You know, they won a lot of games. They made the playoffs regularly. Won a Super Bowl at one point in 2009. But it's a new era 
in New Orleans. And I wonder how long will it be before they are a playoff team again? Is there going to be a long drought? Remember, the the Saints before Sean Payton were an awful organization. Say what you want about the guy. Say what you want about all the... There were some controversies over the years. There were stuff that people didn't like. But he did change that franchise and made them a much, much better franchise. He elevated them tremendously. Him and Drew Brees changed stuff and changed the narrative about New Orleans as a football team. So is it going to go back to the way things were before with a long playoff drought and some ugly years? Or... Can they bounce back quickly? And a lot of that really depends on can they get a receiving core? And how well does Jameis Winston play? I thought he played pretty well before he got hurt last year and that science experiment got cut short because he tore his ACL. But um, I'm I'm just really curious about this football team. They're not going to win their division. I think Tampa's a lot better than them. But they are probably the second best team in that division. And, I mean, they got a good offensive line. Got a pretty good defense. They've got a, a coach who I respect. Um, and, and a quarterback, Jameis Winston, who, gosh, has been really all over the place. Kind of a roller coaster during his career. But there's some clear talent with Jameis that you just can't say that about every quarterback in the NFL. Not every quarterback. Like, Jameis Winston is way more talented than Mitchell Trubisky is in Pittsburgh. You could even argue he's more talented than Drew Brees was. Got a bigger arm. He's taller, stronger, can throw way farther. I'm not saying he's more accurate. I'm not saying he's better reading defenses, but those are things you can work on. So I just am really, really fascinated with what is the future like in New Orleans? What's going to take place in the next couple of years? And um, how will this organization bounce back to kind of a weird, chaotic spot they're in right now without losing their longtime head coach, losing their longtime quarterback, um, but still having some solid talent around uh, the offensive defensive line, especially. And uh, I just, I'm really interested what's going to happen in New Orleans. Keep your eye on that. It's going to be kind of fun to see what they draft and what they do. And um, the subtle ways they build their team around Jameis Winston. All right, guys. Um, that's a cool 40 minutes. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you. I love you. Remember April, April fools is horrible. <laughs> it's awful. I, not a fan. I don't like it. I uh, wish we didn't do it as a society, um, but I, uh, I want to say thank you for tuning in. I love you. I, I appreciate you. Hope you have a great day, and uh, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are done.